Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to the Gumptic folk of the eastern deserts. Good morning to the scrumblin that live on the horrid beaches. They live off of fetid cattle. They drink of the crab swine. They live deep in the swamps. Good morning. Good morning to the Wookiee people, who stand so tall and proud, dreaming of that day when the humans will, you know, Good morning. Yeah, what what is that day that's coming when the Wookiee people will climb, climb down the mountain from the Cascades and the Rockies, from the Utes to the Crazies, in the Adirondacks and the Smokies? If there's a pile of shit in Florida, they'll crawl on down from that shit. They'll have the sharpened stakes. They'll be carrying bats. It'll be crazy on that day. The day of the Wookiee Beast. The day of punishment. The day that we are redeemed through Brutalitas. <laughs> yes, Wookiee Redemption in the form of a concussion, probably a subdermal hematoma. It is Tuesday, November the 1st, 2022, right around 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time in the crazy, amazing... Utah, you know, mountain-type places I live around. I don't know what time it is where you're at when you're listening to it. Could be later. Could be a year from now. Could be in the nuclear aftermath. You come across a USB drive, and this is the only shit on it, baby. And it's all you got to listen to. And even then, you'll be thankful as you sip your scrumptian and you dig into the Plorbis stew. Nobody even knows what a Plorbis is yet. It has 20 hooves and four eyes. But it tastes like bacon. (laughs) And that little kick of cesium salt that tickles your tongue. Plorbis is the best of all hippos. It was mutated after the Third World War. Three coyotes had sex, you know, with an orca whale. And they made a plorbis. And it's good eating, baby.
you don't have any chicken. Yeah, I don't know, folks, about the Pluribus. I don't, I don't hope for that day, but it could be coming. You never know. And frankly, that's kind of optimistic, um, thinking there'll be anything uh, edible on the planet Earth after a nuclear war. There might be. I mean, there's a lot of disinformation when it comes to the subject of radioactivity. And, you know, maybe the only way we'll know the truth is to go through it. I hope we don't. But you never know, right? If nuclear bombs are real. If nuclear weapons are real. Isn't that a funny question people would ask? And it's, it's one of those, I just want to categorize it psychologically. You know, it's not exactly the same as, in my opinion, questioning the Apollo landings. I think anybody has a right to question them. A friend of mine sent me this article. Uh, it was published by Microsoft News, MSN.com. Yeah, take that. Authors Robert Z. Perlman. And the article talks about how NASA wants special protection. Special protection. Some sort of prophylactic put around the Apollo landing sites so people don't disturb them. I mean, there's cosmic rays. There's micrometeorites. There are the alien shitlords. And they don't give a fuck about your sign. You put that sign up, they'll probably blow it up. If I was an alien shitlord and I saw your fucking sign, I would, you know, say, hey, Scotty, you know, spin up a photon torpedo. Fuck that sign up the butt. Yeah. But the thing is, Apollo is what it is. We have to kind of delineate to some extent with respect to the line and the, and the dishonesty. To some extent, because I, I believe, as my Lord believed when he gave us the, the Ten Commandments, that lying, period, is wrong. But we probably should delineate between different kinds of lies. Um, and there are lies that have, you know, maybe fairly limited um, potential for damage. And then there's the COVID-19, which no matter what version you want to believe, and I just don't give a fuck at this point, I'm getting ready to go back for Thanksgiving. Ask me if I give a fuck. If I want to, you know, get into some huge, gigantic debate about the COVID with people. It's like talking to people who are, for the most part, still members of a cult. Because the one thing all cult members agree upon is that the great leader is correct. So yeah, everybody's adopting some version of the, well, it was kind of real. It was sort of real. There's vaccines that are killing people. I can't verify any of that bullshit. All I can tell you is in the midst of a terrible pandemic, the Seattle Police Department allowed major thoroughfares to be clogged up with communists in the summer of 2020 during that horrific, damaging, horrific, terrible bullshit pandemic this was allowed i have video to prove it so i don't need someone to tell me what the fuck happened i know what happened so you might be the oh but dan the covid was kind of real <sighs> yeah 
COVID is kind of real. Just like I said, I'm kind of an NBA basketball player because I can dribble. And I can take the basketball and I can dribble around the court. And if that makes me an NBA basketball player, then somebody owes me a bazillion dollars. On the other hand, maybe I'm not an NBA basketball player. And maybe the definition of pandemic or plague is not kind of fucking real. Okay, that's not a good definition. It didn't happen, folks. Never fucking happened, okay? The government did what it does so well. It takes the cheapest, laziest option. And when it comes to human beings, they come so well prepared to hear the kind of news they want to hear. All y'all, you know? It's one of the reasons why I think people that suffer from depression, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons why they feel isolated. Because... In some ways, their ability to track bullshit, their radar for bullshit, is amped up 10 million percent. And um, people don't want anybody telling them that their greatest dream ever is bullshit. I don't care if it's flipping houses to become rich. I don't care it's I'm going to retire next year to, to Wavo Marguitos Margaritaville and I've got all my pensions coming and I earned it. I earned it on the Death Star. I fired torpedoes when I was told to. Yeah. There's the people that think the COVID was kind of real. There's the people that think it was the worst pandemic ever. And what you basically have is the kind of thing you would have after a psychological operation or some type of mass hallucination. You have all these different versions of an event that frankly, if you look at the 14th century materials on the Black Plague, there wasn't a lot of controversy about how fucking terrible it was. And I don't think people were dancing around about it. They may have made little nursery rhymes later on about ashes, ashes, we all fall down, and stuff like that. They may have done that, but that would have been decades later. During it, they weren't doing nursery rhymes. People were simply fucking dying. Entire towns were being wiped out. That's what a actual terrible thing looks like. And as much as they wanted to memory hole the Spanish flu into something it wasn't, the Spanish flu was pretty terrible. And there's a lot of, you know, reasonable questioning about where it actually started and whether calling it the Spanish flu is appropriate. Just like, you know, you know whatever that Wuhan thing you think it was. Um, real pandemics and plagues don't have a lot of controversy as to whether they fucking happened or how bad they were. What we have here is a lot of bullshit. And so if you want to believe some of it, fine. I got to spend Thanksgiving with people, for the most part, who if they were told to wear a coffee filter on their face in the hot sun would do it, mostly because they need to believe they're being told the truth. Their basic desire is that, that their government is benevolent, even if stupid. This is the Hanlon's razor fallacy that I often talk about, this idea that the most likely explanation is stupidity. Folks, it can be a combo plate. It can be stupid and evil, and it can be in varying degrees. And many people like myself consider stupid more or less evil at a certain scale, which means that if you want to be a fucking dummy and play out underneath the bridge with a stick of dynamite, that's your own fucking business. But if you're within arm's length of the nuclear football and it looks like all your marbles ain't there, it, it, I'm not going to cut you any slack because you're fucking stupid. Stupid at that scale is evil, by the way. 
And that applies to the human population. So yeah, I don't know what to say to people over Thanksgiving when I get home, you know. If they were to say to me, how are things going? I'd say they're great. And if people say, oh, how's your job? And I said, my job is wonderful. And if they ask me what my job is, I'll say I wrestle coyotes for 50 cents a day. It's really quite amazing. I get free room and board, but I got to sleep with the coyotes. And that always leads to coyote love. And coyote love is dangerous. It's a dangerous kind of rabies, parasitic kind of love, you know. You get weird worms with coyote love. I don't care if you think that coyote woman is your coyote number one. She's carrying stuff. Stuff down there. So I was walking one of the bigger dogs the other day. Um... Kia. She's a hovavort. And I, I'm not an expert on dogs, but if you can imagine a very large dog, black dog, you know, kind of looks like a little bit like a retriever, a little bit like a German shepherd, but basically 100%, you know, capable. But she's a good dog. But we're walking and we come across a little doggy grave. A, a little doggy grave with a little doggy cross. Somebody loved that dog. They loved it so very much. Somebody brought it chicken strips when it was feeling sad. Somebody loved that dog. Somebody loved it. And they put the little name on it and Kia comes up to it and just takes a piss right in the middle of the rectangle marking the grave, okay? And listen, I love, Kia's a great dog, but she, I think she knew what she was doing. She was pissing on the grave of her enemies. She's a wonderful dog, but if you drive a red truck, if you look a little bit like a witch, um, yeah, you know, it, there's certain categories of any dog that's white, she doesn't like white dogs, which I don't know if that's racism, but that's some kind of problem. But it's okay. It's okay. So I reported a few weeks ago that the cottage cheese at the local grocery store, and by the way, the reason why I'm giving you my local dumb news and not talking about how many cruise missiles Putin has fired at Kiev tonight or whatever is because the only news I can verify right now is the fucking news I can smell and see and touch and see and hear. That's it. The stuff I can get in through my senses. I can verify that shit. And I might even give you a spooky intuition because it's a day after Halloween and isn't today All Souls Day? Or something like that, really, for the Catholics and all the other pagans. Um, but a few weeks ago, I told you the cottage cheese had turned into a slimy kind of crap. And it actually, um, it's gotten a little better. I don't know, maybe cottage cheese is seasonal, maybe it's something else, maybe it's just more of this very disruptive logistics. A nice way of putting it, you know, when you're 
Soviet-style systems falling apart. Disruptive logistics. That's called a euphemism, baby. That means shit doesn't show up right on time. Doesn't show up right, doesn't show up on time. And you're probably paying two times more for it, baby. Yeah. Welcome to the collapse of the United States-Soviet America bullshit. Anyways, the cottage cheese has gotten a little better, so... Another thing I found interesting um, in recent weeks, so I'm not a big fan of the Ruffles potato chips, and frankly, we shouldn't be eating any of that garbage, but let's just waive that for now, because I think almost everything we eat now is garbage. Oh, but I grow it organic in my backyard. Yeah. Have you seen the spraying the last couple weeks? Yeah, good luck with that organic shit you're telling me about. Unless you're growing it in a laboratory in some sort of vacuum-sealed clean system and you are using magnetic fields to pull all the metals out of that fucking food, I don't think you have a fucking clue what you're eating. Even if you're growing it yourself. Fuck you. You know, I had some good news from a friend of mine, Mike, who went to France. And I believe Mike when he says he had some healthy food in France, but... What if it was just healthier? I mean, it could still be relative shit compared to what he might have had 50 or 60 years ago in the countryside of France. But what if it really is just the difference? It's like when people say, look at how strong the U.S. dollar is. It's so strong. I, it, 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 U.S. dollar forever. And, you know, that doesn't really mean what you think it means. But one thing's for sure. Of all the choices of shit on the table right now, the U.S. dollar is still the, you know, the least stinky. For now. At this moment in history, that's true. All this can change. Anyways, not a big fan of Ruffles potato chips, but I always did kind of like the Lay's version, the wavy chips. I thought they were better. I think they still are. But in the last few weeks... You know, they ha I haven't seen them a lot. I don't buy them all the time, but I look for them. And they weren't there. But then some showed up the other day. And that was good news, baby. Yep, the Lay's wavy potato chips showed up. Again, local news here in some place near Scompton, Utah, near the Ute Mountains. That's all you need to know. Perhaps near a place called Vernal. But do you even know where Vernal is and would you visit there? Probably not. Um, though there's a pretty good Freddy's there. I'd recommend the Freddy's. If you want a good cheeseburger french fry combo, go to Vernal. Go to the Freddy's. Get yourself a combo plate, baby. Yeah. So I have my official itinerary to head back to Seattle for Thanksgiving. I had a friend of mine, a business partner I knew a long time ago, who used to repeat over and over again, I reserve the right to contradict myself. And it's true, you know, they say consistency is the bugbear of small minds. 
I don't know. I, I, I'm not really afraid of that bugbear. It's usually very helpful, especially when it comes to things like medicines and carpentry. But again, you know, measure once, cut twice, right? That's the right answer. Um, I've got my itinerary. I've got my stuff to go back. I said I would never go back there. And I got to say, folks, right now, it feels like the odds of me getting there are still like 50-50. Every day when it comes to stuff like that, it's 50-50. You know, a few months ago, I said I was 90 days optimistic. I think that's back down to 30 days. And so since theoretically Thanksgiving is within that window, the 30-day window, and even my return trip is almost there, then I can be sort of optimistic about getting there and getting back home. Um... But beyond that, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Um, everybody's got their garbage with family, you know, especially if you have a big family. Even if you all love each other all the time, you probably have tons of garbage. And the thing about the COVID monkey herpes psyop, and frankly, this Ukraine bullshit, is it creates a lot of ire amongst people. The election crap, I mean... I, I don't vote, folks. I don't vote because I think it's bullshit. I don't think it works. I think that button you're pushing isn't connected to anything. But even if it was, it more or less is you taking action, okay? Actually exercising force against your neighbors. And I don't think that's how you resolve conflict or solve problems. I'm sorry. If you think that's the answer, then yeah, you could say reasonably we're fucked, Okay, that's the end game. And I don't mean right now. I'm not just talking about Biden and whatever's going on in his empty skull. I mean generally we're fucked. If you think the only way we can solve problems is by pointing guns at each other, we are fucked. Okay, the end game is the same for us. And frankly, in the world where the optimal solution is everybody killing each other, that's either the end times or there is no God. Period. That's some terribly stinky shit, believing that. That's Sodom and Gomorrah shit. And by the way, Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't really just about sexual crap. It was about people basically hardening their hearts to their neighbors. Kind of like the shit that goes on in America right now. So going back to Seattle, you know, I don't know if anybody's wearing coffee filters. Why would they? They shouldn't have in the first place. Why would they now? But I have no doubt I'll see a bunch of people wearing coffee filters. I bet I see people wearing a couple of them. And then I'll probably have some fucktard ask me if I had my booster shot. As if they have any knowledge of any of the shit being injected into them. Their baseline assumption is, well, I gotta trust somebody, so I might as well trust the government. And add that to the list of, we're fucked. If that's your rational explanation for why you're going to take a vaccine, because you have to trust somebody, I say trust Jesus. I say, you know, pray for discernment and trust that. But as far as the government goes, fuck you, trust. That's, that's the government's middle name, fuck you, trust. And I don't mean trust busting. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but it's one of those things I have a lot of angst about because I don't really have any small talk any any longer. Um, 
I don't really have a functional way to be quote unquote successful in the America that a lot of my siblings believe is still a thing. And I don't want to talk about any of it. I don't want to talk about if you if you if you bought this, you're going to buy that. Fuck you. Buy what you want to buy. I mean, I can more or less see myself sitting in a corner and just getting drunk and maybe listening to what people say. And maybe if I'm a kind, kind Irishman, I'll get drunk enough to forget the stupid shit they say and definitely not attribute it in any type of podcast to anybody, right? But that doesn't apply to strangers or neighbors that show up. Oh, I'm a neighbor. I'm a stranger. Open your door. Can we have pumpkin spice coffee? <laughs> you can have your fucking pumpkin spice coffee. I don't give a fuck. Next topic. Shit. So... I use a software application called JS8 Call. And JS8 is an encoding format that was based upon another one called FT8, I think, um, and other types of FT encoding formats, because FT8 is just one. But JS8 is based on that, and it allows you to send basic, I say basic because it's not even the full ASCII character set. It's pr pretty much just uppercase characters and a few other characters. but you can send basic character data, textual data, like a tweet over, you know, over a radio, um, ham radio, but even a CB radio. We tested that this, you know, last summer a couple times. So you could use a CB radio to send this data, send and receive it. Um, and I've been using a kind of basic um, software defined radio it's not a dongle SDR. It's its own independent radio. I kind of like that better. It was a little bit more expensive, but frankly, you get what you pay for. And in this particular case, it works. I bought a dongle SDR, which is a software-defined radio that you can plug into your computer. I bought one of those a few months ago. It heated up ridiculously, and it just didn't work that great. Um, so I've been using this ATS-20. It, it's a shortwave receiver not a transceiver, so I can't transmit, but I've been using this and a loop antenna that's located about 20 feet off the ground, I think, plus or minus. And I monitor 20 meters, 40 meters. Sometimes I switch over to 80 meters uh, late at night, early in the morning for a few hours. And it's been pretty interesting. I've collected a lot of data. If you want to know where it is, you can go to planetarystatusreport.com slash notes, uh, notes.php, and there's a link on the homepage. But you can go there and just click the notes link, and if you select radius all, you'll see all the postings, and you'll see a lot of this radio stuff, um, call signs and whatnot. And I find it interesting. I'm, I'm actually still figuring out if there's some type of business model in this. I, I think there might be, but I've got more work to do. Again, I, I haven't given up hope. Anywho, I've been monitoring the last few weeks, and let me tell you about a couple things that have changed. Number one, early in the summer, a lot of the obvious, I can see it with my own eyes, uh, geoengineering kind of came, not to a standstill, but slowed down a bit. I have no idea why. Um, most of the summer, 
we had clouds that kind of almost looked like clouds and we had weather patterns that were more or less okay other than maybe getting a bit more rain in some cases in other places but i don't know i don't live here long term but in the last few weeks the geoengineering's been absurd i mean the other day i woke up I think it was Sunday morning, and it was like eight parallel lines stretching for miles, you know, maybe 30, 40 miles going off into the distance, becoming, in a relatively short period of time, eight cloud patterns. I, listen, if you want to call this condensation trails, you can, but there's a lot of um, missing matter you have to come up with, and it's not coming from a high-bypass turbofan engine. So there's a lot of stuff you got to figure out at that altitude, if you want to believe that. But again, you can believe what you want to believe. The other thing that's been going on the last few days, and this gets me back to JS8. And if you go to JS8call.com, you can download your own version of the software. If you have a, a if you have a shortwave radio um, that supports single sideband, upper and lower, um, you can actually buy a relatively basic uh, USB sound card. I bought one for like twelve bucks and was able to use the receiver. Of course, there's no cat control, which means there's no automatic radio control. You can't turn the frequency from the software. You can't change that. But uh, if you plan on just sort of sitting on a frequency for a number of hours a day, it doesn't really matter. Like in, in my case, I go 40 meters at night mostly, 20 meters during the day mostly. You're just sitting on that frequency, so you don't really need the cat control. But, you know, for about 70 bucks, you can get the ATS-20. For about another 45 bucks, you can get the, the loop antenna system. Um, you'll need the computer, and you'll obviously need a way to mount the loop antenna. But other than that, it's not really that expensive to do. So getting to the point, and I've got screenshots in the notes, by the way, if you receive the notes. I'm not on WRMI any longer, um, not just because of what the storm did, but because I just... There's just no point. I mean, I, I, I really think it's great if it worked, but I can't reach enough people to pay for being on WRMI. So if you can't reach enough people to pay for something, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to do it. Um, and, and that's the reality, brothers and sisters. Anywho, I've been monitoring JS8 call the last couple days for about a week, and I've got screenshots. And the last pattern is from yesterday, I believe, Halloween, but it was weird. It's a weird pattern to show up in the waterfall. The waterfall shows you these transmissions from JS8 and other, you know, things like FT8 as well, I think, other kinds of transmissions. But the waterfall was filled with these weird patterns that kind of repeat themselves, you know, within that spectrum. And I have no idea what it is. There was a part of me the other day that thought, what if this is that type of radar system that Dane Wigington talks about. Because again, we went from basically summer conditions rapidly to winter. Um, there wasn't a lot of in-between. You know, was there an autumn? I don't know. I mean, maybe. And the thing about like last winter is it fluctuated between winter and not being winter every few weeks where it would warm up rapidly. None of this makes a lot of sense to me, brothers and sisters. I don't really believe the story I'm being told by any of the politicos. So if you say, well, the Democrats say this and the Republicans say that, I'm pretty certain that a lot of the folks 
on the political side of this question of what's going on in the environment are wrong. Okay, because number one, this isn't a political question. This is a scientific one. Is there something going on? And if there is, what is it? And, you know, supposedly we have millions of scientists trying to help us understand. But what we end up with, and recently a good example is, well, a, a billion snow crab died or gone. There ain't no more snow crab probably for this year. Maybe next year, though. But we have no idea what's going on. And I've been reading articles like that in newspapers like the Seattle Times, for example, for the last 10, 15 years. You know, oh, there's a bunch of dolphins that died. There's a bunch of fish that died. All these salmon are gone. The orcas won't have babies, but we have no fucking clue what's going on. There's a weird-ass hurricane off the coast of Alaska in the Bering Sea. That's weird, but we have no fucking clue what's going on, though, you know. Something is going on, brothers and sisters. I'm certain of it. And it could be related to issues of eschatology. It really could. I'm not an expert in prophecy. I've got some work to do there. Um, you know, me and my friend Mike plan on doing a series on prophecy and specifically end times prophecy in the coming weeks. But I'm still getting my notes together. And I'm frankly in a very disturbed place right now to receive the Holy Spirit. I really am. It's like... I want to open up my heart and say, come on in, Holy Spirit. But the truth is, my heart is filled to capacity. There is no room at that inn. I mean, I said, yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> you know, there's always room for somebody. But um, right now, it's just most of the rooms are filled up with confusion and frustration and anxiety and depression and absurdity. There's not one room available. Um, so I, I'm not in a place right now for that. All I can tell you is when I look around at nature, it doesn't look like it's healthy. All right. It doesn't look like it's doing well. Who knows the reason why? If you want to send me a link about polar shift, fine. If you want to send me a link from Al Gore and how it's people driving their trucks, uh, okay. I'll read it maybe. But the fact is, I think a lot of this is garbage. It's, I think I'm beginning to believe it's maybe 100% garbage. That Al Gore and Greta Thunberg, that their entire purpose is to be stupid. Like, if you really wanted to convince people that this is an issue, these would, would not be the people out in front. It wouldn't be the clowns. So why are the clowns being promoted? Well, the reason is they want to take something that might actually be serious and make it look like a fucking joke. All of this looks like a joke. It's why the governments are pivoting on coal and oil and why the ESG stuff is nonsense and why the Green New Deal is never going to happen and even if it does, it won't work. They know it's bullshit. They know it can't work. If it's, if it's what it could be, which is the collapse of the Arctic, and if it's something that was always going to happen because frankly... If you believe the shit you're told about Earth's history, Earth has been mostly warmer. Then if it really is an unexploded bomb from 20,000 years ago that's kind of going off right now, yeah, that would be really bad. And it would radically change the Earth's environment. And we might not be remotely prepared for it.
And it's possible the government knew this 50, 60 years ago. And it's why they've been doing the geoengineering, thinking they can somehow manage it. And they probably started in the Arctic. They probably started with most of these programs in the Arctic. And then when the Arctic started, you know, going south, so to speak, that's when they started mostly dumping it on us so we could see it every day. But I don't believe people are God. So if, in fact, people are doing this, then they're playing God, and that's dangerous. The outcome of playing God is really dangerous. The most likely outcome is destruction. I don't care if it's the Tower of Babel. I don't care if it's the Titanic. Believing you can build something perfect and unsinkable and undestroyable. It's like the bizarre comments of people years ago telling me Seattle's a super city. And I've said this one before. Seattle's a super city like London and Rome and Beijing. Yeah, but ask yourself, how many fucking times have those places burned? And how many little pieces of property ownership were destroyed? in the midst of all those explosions and fires and earthquakes and plagues. I don't know how to put this to you, but even if Seattle were a super city, it doesn't mean you won't be destroyed. In fact, it, it might even imply you will have that as part of your story every few hundred fucking years. Super city, my ass. It's like Tokyo. Under the, you know, General LeMay firebomb rating. Yeah, Tokyo 1944, just like Tokyo. Anyways, that was a bit of a rant, but these screenshots are in the notes, and um, they're weird. I don't know what they could mean. You know, somebody said it might be jamming, but I was still picking up. And this is a testament to using digital radio. I was still picking up heartbeats and signals. Yeah, maybe I was picking up fewer heartbeats and signals. And maybe this discouraged people from being on JSA. But um, it was still basically working. So even if this was some kind of jamming going on, it didn't really succeed. But I don't think it's that. I don't think it's jamming. Um, it's too. It, it's not. It's intermittent in a way that isn't really doing any harm. I don't think it's jamming. I don't know what it is. It, you know, could it reflect a radar pattern or another type of signal pattern? Maybe, but I'm no expert. If you send me an email and you're not too mean about it, but you actually say, Dan, I think it is this and here's my evidence, I'll probably put that on my blog just so that people can have an explanation that makes sense. But the patterns did vary, but they, but they didn't really vary within the cycle of your listening, they varied between different days and different hours, sort of. But the patterns are weird, you know? And they could be on purpose. I know that people can, and, you know, there are people that do this um, in the world of radio, where they will broadcast in such a way that your waterfall will display an image or a word. It's doable. It's, it's you know, you have to have good equipment to do it. I don't have any equipment like that. But could you broadcast in such a way that someone watching the waterfall of their radio would see an image produced by the broadcast? And the answer is yes. You can do that. People do that all the time. They, they do contests and shit. And again, that's not broadcasting an image. That is literally creating a spectrum result 
within the radio spectrum that if you see it from a waterfall image, looks like something. So they're not sending a JPEG or a PNG. They're simply broadcasting throughout the spectrum in such a way that they generate the pattern. But you have to have a waterfall viewer to see it, so... Yeah, it's mostly for ham radio shitheads who are, you know, masturbating to the fact that they've got a QRZ entry, and if you look them up on QRZ, you can find them, fuck. Good for you, ham. Good for you. Next topic. And I don't know, I had a feeling this podcast could go long. It might not go long. I may cut it short and do it do a different segment later. You know? So Halloween was last night, and I was going to do this podcast the other day because of the whole, like, you know, my whole, you know, one more day to Halloween thing. I don't know if I should turn this on right now and just do it. It's one of those, like, one more day till Halloween. Yeah, so you've got the silver shamrock and power off. Power off. Yeah, power off. Power off. Thank you for yelling that. Thank you, machine. So, I think John Carpenter, I'm going to back up a bit. I think John Carpenter, as far as the horror... Um, science fiction horror genre goes. I think John Carpenter is one of the, you know, better directors in contemporary Hollywood history or the last, you know, 50, 60 years. I think he deserves to be recognized. That doesn't mean that all of his films are great films. But, you know, he, he's a great filmmaker. But here's the problem with sequels. And, 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 and any time you make a movie that's so good, they say, well, can we have a part two... You know, listen, I saw Halloween, okay? I don't even know that we called it Halloween 1. We just called it Halloween because that was going to be a movie produced by John Carpenter with Michael Myers. I saw that when I was a little kid, um, I believe on videotape. I, I couldn't get into, you know, I, I think it came out in 78, and so I would have been 8 years old. And so I don't think anybody was going to take me to see Halloween when it came out. But, but... Yeah, but I did have a friend who had a VCR, and I remember, you know, this was a friend who had a VCR, and it was the same friend where I got to watch the Omen movie, and I ended up watching Halloween, and it scared the shit out of me. Like, again, I grew up in Mount Vernon, Washington, no internet, you know, even Faces of Death, you know, as, as VHS phenomena go, was not a thing yet. I, I think I might have been 9 or 10 when I saw it, on, saw it on VHS, and it scared the crap out of me. It really did. I, I, it freaked me out. And if you hear a noise just now that came on, that's the heater, you know, pushing air through the through the, you know, the ventilation or the air tube system, you know, the heating system. So we can have heat here in the mountains. So we can wake up the pumpkin spice coffee and we can whisper to the willow wasp.
Anyways, Halloween, as far as the horror genre goes, it might not have been the first. It really wasn't. I mean, there were slasher films before Halloween, so it wasn't the first. But Halloween, in many ways, was the archetype slasher horror film, in my opinion, of all time. It captured a lot of the core themes that any of the others would capture, and it had a pretty awesome soundtrack. Like, I know that John Carpenter did some of his music. Like, he did some of his soundtracks, and this might have been one of his. You know, in The Thing, which came out in, I think, 82, um, another John Carpenter film, in The Thing, I think Ennio Morricone, who, who you'll know from the Spaghetti Westerns, I believe he did the soundtrack for The Thing. But, you know, John Carpenter does his own work when it comes to soundtracks and music, and I, I think that the soundtrack for Halloween and the way it was blended with the cinematography is some of the most chilling stuff ever. It freaks you out, you know? You know, and it just, it sort of is relentless. It's a lot like the soundtrack for Jaws, but not as poncy. <laughs> yeah. However... Great films, in my opinion, are often great because they have the courage to be the last one. I mean, I know people out, but what about Star Wars? Star Wars makes me vomit. I mean, I would have said the first Star Wars movie, Episode 4, which was already going to be a confusing bullshit episode anyways, right? Episode 4. What about 1, 2, and 3, douchebag? Anyways, it was going to be a setup, right? It was always going to lead to trilogies and prequels. Probably, you know, fucking George Lucas knew this. Fuck him. But, um, I don't believe the prequels or the additional films added anything to the art form. And I would say it tended to be like you know, just something dwindling out of existence, a feedback, a really bad feedback, like those two little talking bears you could buy at Radio Shack in the 80s. You, well, you buy one, you wouldn't buy two, and it would repeat what you said, but you get one talking, you put it next to the other one, and by the third or fourth cycle, they're just going, rah, 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 yeah, like that. That's the Star Wars prequels and sequels. It's crap. It's shit. I understand there are great epic stories that you kind of have to have a series of movies for. That makes sense to me, obviously. But the Star Wars stuff stopped being that after Return of the Jedi. Like, I, I kind of, when I saw that as a kid, I thought, okay, it's over. So let's talk about why we're talking about Halloween. Because I, I beat up on Star Wars a lot, and I don't know. Maybe that's mean, I don't know. I think I saw Halloween 2 maybe once, which kind of is funny to say it that way. I don't think I ever did see it, though, because to me it was like, why? What's the freaking point? But I remember seeing Halloween. Like I said, it scared me, it scared me so bad I couldn't sleep for a few nights. I, I might have been 10. you got to forgive me. But then I saw Halloween 3. Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. And let me just say something about this. I don't really care to know how deeply connected John Carpenter was to this film. It might even be one of his favorites. I can't imagine it being the case. But who knows. But Halloween 3 is where you have that little bit of audio I played. You know, 
One more day till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. One more day till Halloween, Silver Shamrock. And it's messed up, and it's weird enough that you can kind of say, okay, this is weird. But it had zero to do with Michael Myers. Zero to do with any of that shit. It was like completely disconnected, a totally different story. So why call it Halloween 3? Now maybe the argument was, we're trying to create a whole Halloween type thingy where every Halloween... Yeah, I know. But the rest of us expected Michael Myers somehow to be involved. And that didn't fucking happen. Now of course, of course... With that whole fucking franchise, when they're still pumping out. I mean, as long as, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is still alive and they can put her boobs in a push-up bra, they're going to keep pumping out Halloween, baby. Gilf. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, as long as they got a gilf to, to, keep the, to keep the franchise alive, they'll keep doing it. Um, but Halloween 3 is a terrible film. It's a dumb film. I mean, it's so dumb... You watch it just to watch how dumb it is. And like I said, there isn't one scant, tiny fragment of anything to do with Michael Myers in it. So you tell me, buddy. You tell me the point of that. Okay, next topic. Next topic. I probably should close this one out here pretty soon. I don't know. Before I get to the really bad stuff that requires, you know, a disclosure. I think I'm going to close out this segment here um, before I get to the next thing, just because the next thing is kind of a rant, and I need—I think I need to walk some dogs, so I may just walk those dogs and close this segment out. Um, but here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Leadership is the art of surfing the wave of human potential. What does that mean exactly? Well, a lot of people think they know what leadership is. And again, you can say, Dan, what the fuck do you know, you old hobo? What do you know? Well, I'll just give you some, I'll give you a few bits and pieces here, okay? If you want to rule people, and that's not leadership, that's being a ruler. If you want to rule people, you mostly just need a few people you hire at first to be your thugs. You hire a few thugs, you go around scaring people, there you go, you're a ruler. You don't have to have a plan. You don't even have to be wise. You can be crazy-ass stupid. And as long as you have enough hired thugs to go around pointing guns at people, you can be a ruler. But if you want to be a leader, which means to impact and influence and facilitate team-based problem-solving without force, um, but through persuasion, really, and also basically through having good ideas, if you want to be a leader, a big part of it is knowing how to get the fuck out of the way. I mean, when you think about what surfing is, what is surfing? Surfing's not standing in front of a wave. Oh, here comes a wave. I'll stand in front of it. I'm so very, very, very strong. I did three lines of cocaine. Yeah, 
yeah, I did three lines of cocaine. So I can, you know, stand on the surf that suddenly went out and this giant wave is building and I'll stand in front of it because I did my cocaine and I have thugs and I'm fine. And that works for a while, but leadership is being able to look at the wave and realizing, listen, I can work with it um, or I can be destroyed. Those are my options. I can learn how to, to play with the world and to work with the world as it is. You know, another good metaphor other than surfing is sailing, you know. But in a lot of ways, it probably is like surfing because you're dealing with a lot of people who have a lot of interests, a lot of desires, a lot of goals. And your problem is how do you get them to work together in such a way that you can do something interesting? Like, I don't know, build a bridge or start a fast food restaurant or create some sort of, you know, three field style traditional farm, you know, sustainable farming. How do you get people to want to work on a problem small problem, big problem, whatever. And then once you get them together in a room, how do you, how do you manage that? Because when they're in that room together, in that proverbial sense, when you're organizing them, now all of a sudden you've got a lot of power and it's a lot like that wave, that wave that's staring you down. So how do you surf that wave? And again, I don't have a good answer like you know it's it's simple enough to say the art of leadership you know is surfing and you say well what are you surfing you're surfing people you're surfing their potential they have a lot of potential but they're not all the same and it's not uniform it's not like climbing a set of stairs you know it would be one thing and, and that is more like ruling you know you basically point guns at people say make it make us make a stairwell and I'll climb over you that, that is ruling, but leadership is more like surfing that wave. The wave is its own thing. People have their own stuff going on. In a free country, in a free society, there's going to be a lot of waves. And the waves are not your enemy, but they are an opportunity. But what I would say about it, you have a choice of surfing or being, you know, wipe out, being destroyed. Those are your options. You don't have a third option. You're not going to make it work the third way unless you're willing to be a thug. And there are a lot of people that think leadership is thuggery. That it's a popularity contest for thugs and people that like beatings. It's for crazy people with nothing on upstairs like Biden. So yeah, it is Tuesday, November the 1st, 2022, Bo And um, it's been a weird few years. You know, I sometimes lose track because it's been so strange. And I know back in 2019, when I talked about the great discontinuity, that I now, for reasons of, you know, whatever, call it Bo Blimpdoc, um, I know when I talked about it, I said it could be really fucking crazy. But I don't think I underlined that point well enough. And I also told people or tried to explain that it isn't going to be over in a couple of years. That best case scenario, it could last decades. Best case scenario. 
You know, back in 2019, the best case was the collapse of the dollar empire. Best case scenario, that's a worldwide event. And that economic event would have decades of repercussions. And you can come at me with, well, the technology and Bitcoin and post-scarcity, all that bullshit you want to. As I said, my news is local. So I take a look at the cottage fucking cheese, and I take a look at the fucking potatoes, and if the potatoes are telling me things aren't so good, I will listen to the fucking potato. I'm not going to listen to some idiot on Fox News. The price of the potatoes and the quality tells me a lot more than any fucking idiot on Fox News, sorry, or CNN, or any other place. New York Times, I don't fucking care. I wish I could say that it's been bad, but it's about to get better, but the the reality is it's probably going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And that's best case scenario. And the government of the United States is not going to tell you that. They're going to tell you every fucking day that, well, it might be a recession, but it's only going to be that bad. It might be inflation, but it'll only be that bad. They're even starting to, to do the sort of bargaining with hyperinflation. Folks, hyperinflation is not a thing if you can't buy anything. And I don't think we're looking at some graceful degradation into hyperinflation. I think we're looking at falling off a supply chain cliff. And, and it, will, it won't be the case of, well, yesterday I spent 10 bucks on eggs and today I spent 50 bucks. No, there's a magic number where there are no fucking eggs. And, and, and only God knows that number, you know. Powell doesn't know it at the Federal Reserve. Bank of America doesn't know it. And I can, you can fucking for shit's sake know Biden doesn't know. But there is a number at which it doesn't keep getting more expensive. It simply does not get delivered. Period. I don't know what the magic number to get a flight to Mars is in the black market. But my guess is it's pretty god-awful expensive so god-awful expensive that it might as well not be a thing that would ever happen. The fact is, there are things in this world that can become so expensive that they just won't happen. And we've gotten used to a lot of magical bullshit in the last 50, 60 years. I mean, we've gotten used to having all kinds of fruit all year round. That world's coming to an end. You know, the world of oranges and pomegranates and wine from Argentina being delivered for five bucks a bottle, that world is, is pretty much almost over. And, and we don't know what the new world looks like yet. I think that's one of the reasons why the government's been doing what it's doing. It's like I said, you can make a good argument that all the, the military psychological warfare that's been ongoing to the extent it's been ongoing since 2020, you can make a compelling argument that it is designed to manage the collapse of the dollar empire. You could. I don't think it's a very intelligent way to do it. But, it, but again, it depends upon what their, you know, what their end game is. What is their exit strategy? A lot of people paint the exit strategy as, well, it's the reset, Dan. They're resetting to the world economic blah, blah, blah. No, folks. Complexity does not scale up. So sorry. No motherfucker told you that before me. Complexity does not scale up. See the Tower of Babel, baby. It's, a, it's an old story. Humans think complexity scales, and it doesn't. At a certain point, it collapses in on itself. 
So all this bullshit about the reset and the WEF, it all sounds nice until you actually look at the fucking details. And then you realize they can't do any of the crooked shit that Alex Jones and other people would scaremonger you into believing they can do. They can't. They can lie. They're great fucking liars. And they pretty much own Hollywood. But I don't think they're going to somehow magically create a worldwide empire out of this shit sandwich. So to me, it looks like, how do you get out of Dodge? I think they know it's over. And I think they also know that best case scenario, it's going to be a few decades of chaos. And if you are one of those people responsible for this giant turd called the U.S. dollar, where do you fucking escape to? Every fucking country on earth hates your fucking guts at that point. I don't care if you're in South America, North America, Asia, any place on the planet that holds dollars, and that's pretty much everywhere, is going to want you dead. So where the fuck do you go in that world? I've joked about Antarctica. I don't know that it's a joke, baby. I mean, it sounds like a joke. It sounds funny. They'll go to Antarctica. They'll raise crops in the mountains. Underground. They'll go to Antarctica. They'll have, you know, herds of sheep. Underground. They'll eat mushrooms made out of gombligus. They'll eat fry crabs off of their bunkus hole underground underground baby I mean I don't think outer space is an option for all kinds of reasons but who knows but if it's not outer space Antarctica someplace in a mountain someplace with a couple of reactors they can run for a couple hundred years and maybe they figure they'll buy themselves time I mean when you think about it human beings you know we're actually I think for the most part kinder and we give ourselves credit. And after 20 or 30 years of watching everybody you know die, you probably do lose some of that desire for revenge. And you probably replace it with, hey, isn't it great that the crops are growing again? That purple rain stopped. And the black rain too. Hey, it doesn't hurt so much to take a swim in the, in the lake any longer. It doesn't burn off the top layer of skin like it used to, you know. The fish look normal even though they got little tumors. Things are pretty good above ground. Things are pretty great in the fresh air. Coyote people, they're coming for us, but we're above ground. Yeah. It's a bit of a rant. But, you know, I think we're at the point in the game where we're about to find out how real this is. Best case scenario, um, it could result in a world war. I mean, empires collapse sometimes into an explosion. Sometimes it's an implosion. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. And what I would say is this could explode into world war. I mean, it looks like they're playing that game. On the other hand, a lot of this Ukraine World War Three nonsense looks scripted. 
It looks synthetic. It looks like it was designed to start right around springtime, right around, you know, when people start checking out that Arctic ice, right around about that time they start investigating the Arctic Ocean, and ending right around wintertime, you know? That, that, I mean, not quite ending yet, right? But it seems like it could be. Or Russia's about to launch a major uh, strategic attack against Ukrainian forces and wipe them out, right? The one thing, though... The Ukraine nonsense blocked a lot of research on the Arctic Circle last summer. So if something was going sideways at a rapid rate, it was a great way to keep that fucking shit hidden, right? Great way to keep people from talking about that. Um, I don't know. The great discontinuity could be anything. And if it isn't the end times, it could be anything. Like we could end up being exposed to all sorts of strange events. And if it is the end times, if it's more than just boblimp talk, if it's more than just the discontinuity of history becoming unstuck, then pretty soon we're going to see some things that will be, in my opinion, unmistakable. I know for many people who have no faith, it's like, oh, come on, you know, it's aliens, it's this, it's that. <sighs> if there were a rapture and a bunch of people suddenly disappeared, um, or if it was more than that, because frankly, when I read prophecy, it doesn't sound like it's going to be some type of totally secret thing. Like, yeah, a thief in the night, but, you know, thieves sometimes make noises afterwards, right? I don't know. But um, what if... It was just unmistakable. Like, what if it was something where, you know, yeah, you could blame aliens and you could blame Bigfoot, but maybe the most logical explanation is in the Bible. But the thing is, if that did happen, that would be a, one of those markers. Like, you know you're in the end times. You definitely know if there's a rapture. I think at some point, um, there's going to be some sort of world leader that would reveal themselves. And again, I'm talking hypothetically because I don't know that we're there yet. I, I don't know that if we're even a thousand years close to it. I have no idea. But one of the things you would see would be that charismatic, and I mean charismatic, not Zelensky, not some idiot that, you know, does the stuff he does or Biden or any of these other freaks. It would be a young charismatic leader, probably a male. Sorry, but, you know, it's meant to be an inversion of Jesus, not not a complete, you know, um, alternative to. Um, it's meant to be like counterfeit. So like if I see a counterfeit $100 bill, I don't say to myself, oh, it's purple and it looks like Monopoly money. No, it looks close enough. It, it's something that's going to be counterfeit. The Antichrist is a counterfeit Christ. So it's going to be male. It's going to be charismatic. It's going to be somebody that most people look to and say, oh my gosh, this is the person that's solving the problems in the Arctic and ending the wars and, and stopping the guns from killing people. And, you know, what does he want in return, you know? What does he want? Other than love, right? At first, it's just going to be love. At first, that's always how it starts out. Oh, you don't have to do what I tell you to do. Just love me. And then it becomes obedience. It becomes, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. These would be signs of the times where we're at. You know, these would be indications of we are in the end times. But I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen anybody credibly put forward any markers. I've heard a few people talking about 
the, the desolation references in the context of the Vatican. But I think the Vatican's been a counterfeit church for a long, long, long time. So this idea that the Vatican is going to be the center of that, I could see the Vatican as being the whore of Babylon. I could see the Vatican as, you know, maybe not the whore of Babylon, but essentially being the world church. I could see the Vatican being the center of some world church, but I don't think anything has happened so far that would be um, absolutely an indication that, yeah, the end times are here. But what I will tell you is I don't think it's likely at all that for all the nonsense of the last few decades especially, that the outcome of the next few decades is somehow, and we get off scot-free. I don't think that's likely. If we're expecting a free lunch for all that nonsense, all the wars, all the terrible things that were done in the name of, of the American people, if we're expecting that to be a free lunch, I think we're wrong. Deeply, deeply confused about this. Um, we did a lot of harm around the world, and we were able to do it because we would hand them a U.S. dollar and say, but at least you can trust this. What happens when that turns to shit? Then all the other old grievances, all the other issues, even ones that aren't really buried except for by the media, all that comes to fore. You know, the dollar collapse could be so bad that the United States as a nation might not survive it. Okay, that's how big a deal it is. That's why they would potentially do the things that I believe they've been doing. But if it's worse than the dollar collapse, if it's way worse, they would, you know, they might do the same things. It is a kind of like fire sale mentality at this point. You know, somebody's going out of business. It's either just the Fed or it's everybody. Everybody is going out of business unless you've got cash. Everybody's turning to ash unless you can get your ass to Antarctica. You can live underground. You could live with the cockroach people. You could feed on Monctus. You could swizzle the Brockton stew. Because it's Tuesday. Tuesday, November the 1st. It is Bo Blimptock. It is the holiday season. Get yourself some pumpkin spice coffee. Get yourself some fucking pumpkin spice coffee. Go to the grocery store, because I bet they still have them. Some factory-made pumpkin pie. Go get yourself some salmon that's been food-colored to look pink and ignore the fucking tumors. Go get yourself some cottage cheese that might not look like some type of callous knot that's been bleached. Go get yourself some milk and some cheese and some other types of crackers and put out your holiday offerings because the neighbors might be coming by for a visit. And maybe in a few weeks, they'll be singing Christmas carols. Maybe. So for Tuesday, November the 1st, 2022, peace out, baby.